formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou know not. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of this city, and concerning the houses of the kings of Judah, which are thrown down by the mouths and by the sword. They came to fight with the Chaldeans, but it is to fill them with the dead bodies of men, whom I have slain in my anger and in my fury, and for all whose wickedness I have in my face from this city. Behold, I will bring it hell and cure, and I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities, whereby they have sinned, and whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be to me a name of joy and a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. They shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Thus says the Lord, again, there shall be heard in this place which ye, shall, uh, which, uh, ye say shall be desolate without man and without beast, even in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man and without inhabitant, and without beasts, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endureth forever, and of them shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return the captivity of the land as it, at the first, saith the Lord." Thus saith the Lord of hosts, again in this place which is desolate, without man and without beast, and in all cities thereof shall be an inhabitation of shepherds causing their flocks to lie down. In the cities of the mountains, in the cities of the vale, and in the cities of the south, and in the land of Benjamin, and in the places about Jerusalem, and in the cities of Judah, Shall the flocks pass again under the hands of him that telleth them, saith the Lord. This first portion of Jeremiah 33, the first 13 verses, deal with uh, prayer that God is going to work in the life of Jeremiah and in the nation of Israel. As we see here in Jeremiah 33, 3, this is a very well-known, famous passage of Scripture and here the Lord tells Jeremiah, it says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I understand that in this passage of Scripture, this is the Old Testament, and the Lord is speaking directly to Jeremiah, dealing with the nation of Israel. Yet I believe with complete assurance this evening that the God who was the God of Jeremiah, he is the same God that we worship today, is he not? 
And matter of fact, the Bible says that I am God, I change not. He's still the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he'll still be the same tomorrow. And although here in Jeremiah, he was dealing directly with Jeremiah and the nation of Israel, I believe with all my heart that the the same God who answered Jeremiah's prayers desires to do so in our life. As we looked at the product of prayer, I want to ask, what is the outcome of prayer or what can be accomplished through prayer? How big do you believe? How big do you ask of God and what do you believe that prayer can accomplish? I believe in the power of prayer. And uh, we'll look at it more as we go here in a few moments, but I can have, uh, matter of fact, I believe that if you've been saved very long at all, we probably could spend the rest of the night, probably the next several weeks, Wednesdays, just going one by one, telling and testifying of the prayers that God has answered in our life. God has answered so many prayers in my life that the truth, if the truth were known, I have probably forgotten as many prayer requests or more so than I remember. Why? Because God has been good to me in my life. And so we say, what is the outcome of prayer? I will say tonight that I believe that the possibilities are as endless as the outstretched arms of God who holds the universe in the palm of his hands. It said that the speed of light, just to get outside of our galaxy, going the speed of light would take billions of years. And yet our galaxy is nothing more than a drop of water in an ocean full of galaxies that span the universe. And if you were to go the speed of light for eternity, scientists say that you would never reach the end of the, ga- of the universe because the universe is expanding faster than the speed of light, and yet the speed of light is said to be impossible to surpass. That's how big the universe is. And yet we know the Bible says that he holds all things in the palm of his hands. And so as big as the universe is, as infinite as it is big, yet God holds it in the palm of his hand. And I want to tell you that the possibilities of what God can do in our life, in our church, in our homes, in our marriages, in our children, in our grandchildren, in our finances, whatever it might be, the possibilities, the product of prayer can be as big as the outstretched arms of God. Here we find that Jerusalem was under siege by the Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar was um, considered one of the greatest military leaders of the ancient world. Here they have, they have come against Israel, and um, ultimately we know that they would destroy Jerusalem, and Solomon's temple would be ruined in the process. And one of the reasons was that uh, Zedekiah, the king of Israel, had made a pact with Egypt against Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar was afraid that uh, with Egypt they were going to shut down the trade routes. And Israel, although it is a small country in the middle of uh, the uh, Middle East, and it looks like just a dot on the map, it doesn't look like much. Yet when you go over there, you find that much of the Middle East is desert and, and, and territory, terrain that is really not uh, uh, practical to travel through. And the corridor going through to the continent of Africa up into Europe, the best travel routes 
and roots come right through the nation of Israel. And so it's always been a vital point, a choking point, um, because it is uh, historically throughout time, uh, whoever controls Israel controls the trade routes to the world. And so Nebuchadnezzar was upset that uh, the king Zedekiah had uh, made a pact with Egypt. And so he had came against uh, Israel and ultimately he would uh, destroy. And God, of course, we know God's plan is fulfilled. But here we find in Jeremiah chapter 33 and number three that God calls out to Jeremiah and says, call unto me and I will answer thee. I told you last week, and I'll say it again tonight, that I am 100% confident that I have never asked a prayer or prayed a prayer that God did not answer. He has always answered every prayer that I've prayed. And if you're his child, he's answered every prayer that you've ever prayed. You may just not have liked the outcome. You may not have agreed with the answer, but he's answered your prayer you say, preacher, how are you so confident? Because he said that if we ask anything, he hears us. He told Jeremiah that I will answer thee. And so we know that we have a God that hears our prayers. Despite of the destruction that was imminent upon the nation of Israel, God still promised that he would show Jeremiah great and mighty things. The first product of prayer that I believe we look at is here is spiritual revitalization. In verse number three, he says, I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The first thing that I believe, the first product of prayer is that it will bring us to a place where we are revived in our hearts, where we are brought back to have faith in God. Uh, our faith in God is brought to uh, fruition went through prayer and, and through the product of prayer. You say, Pastor, how am I supposed to, aren't we supposed to pray in faith? We are. We're supposed to pray asking and believing. And yet at the same time, the more we pray, the more faith we have. The more we pray, the greater our faith becomes. As God begins to answer our prayers, our faith increases. I remember as a young man, I was probably eight years old, and my dad was a missionary. We traveled around the country. And uh, he wanted to, to teach me and my mom and my sister and help teach us how to pray. And so one night we were sitting there in a hotel in uh, Denver, Colorado, of all places. And uh, he said, now, family, I'm going to give each of you prayer request, and I want you to pray for this prayer request. This is your request. I want you to pray for it until God answers that prayer. And so I don't remember what he had for himself. I don't remember what my mother had. And I don't remember what my sister had. But I remember my prayer request. My prayer request was that we had a F-250 Ford truck that needed tires. And so my prayer request was for God that he would give us some tires for our truck. So we prayed that night at devotions and I made that my prayer request. The next morning I prayed, Lord, give us tires. Well, that evening, dad said, I've got to talk to y'all. We have, a, we have a, a, God's already answered one of our prayer requests. And we were all anxious. What prayer request has been answered? He said this afternoon, he said, I got a call from a church we were at several weeks ago. And one of the men of the church called me and said, brother Ellis, I don't know why, but God told me to call y'all. I'm supposed to buy you tires for your truck. 
And so he said, Randy, he said, your prayer has been answered and God has given us tires for our truck. I remember as an eight-year-old boy, I stood up, I stuck out my little chest and I said, does anybody else want me to pray for them? I was confident that God had heard my prayer request and my faith had increased. And one of the uh, byproducts of prayer is that our faith can be increased, but also that we can have spiritual uh, maturity. He says, I will show thee great and mighty things which, you, which thou knowest not. He said, I'm going to show you things that, uh, that as you see, you're going to grow in your spiritual walk. It's things that you do not see now, but you're going to just hold on. Part of product of prayer is that our spirit, we increase in our faith, but also the more we pray, we begin to grow as Christians. We begin to mature. And it is important that we mature. And uh, we are working with our youth. And uh, Lord willing, y'all pray for me and Brother James. Lord willing, tomorrow we're going to take some of our youth down to Hawassie. And we're going to go uh, uh, tubing tomorrow. And so we're going to have our hands full. But uh, we're trying to spend time with the youth, trying to get to know them. But it's important that our youth mature, is it not? We want them to mature as good Christians. But you know what? It's not just for the youth to mature. It's for me to mature and for you to mature in the Lord. And the more we have faith, the more we pray, the more we walk with God, one of the byproducts is that we have spiritual maturity. The second thing is that there is a spiritual revelation, a spiritual revelation that occurs when we pray. In verse number six, the Bible says, behold, I will bring it health and cure and I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. You say, preacher, what is it that this spiritual revelation happens? What is it that it takes place? What is the product of this prayer? First is that we have, um, is God's word. God's word is brought about in our life. You say, pastor, uh, what do you mean? Colossians 1, 9, for this reason, we also, since the days we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. As we begin to pray, we find that we gain wisdom and spiritual understanding. It is through this process of prayer that God's word is made manifest in our life. And so he says he will reveal the abundance of peace and truth. What is truth? The word of God is truth. And as we begin to pray, we begin to seek God's face we find that God's word is revealed to us. I can't tell you how many times we've led someone to Christ. They come to church, they get in church, and they're excited about the things of the Lord, but it don't take long, and they'll come to me, preacher, I've been trying to read my Bible. I know you've told me to, but there are some things I don't understand. What am I supposed to do? My advice is always pray, ask God to reveal it to you, and study the Word of God. There are some things in my life that I've read Scripture and God just doesn't bring clarity to me on. I've studied it and it just doesn't make sense. 
And then down the road a year or two, when the timing's right, God begins to reveal and bring the pieces together, put the puzzle together in my life, and all of a sudden the Word of God becomes, becomes clear in my heart, and, and I have greater understanding of it. There are some things, and you'll know if you've read the Bible, that you read God's Word, and I've read some passages of Scriptures 20, 30, 40, 50, maybe even 100 times, And then all of a sudden, one day, I open up the Bible, and I read it again, and I go, wait a second, where has that been? (laughs) I've never seen that before. And God, through his word, in his timing, as we pray, as we're faithful, he begins to reveal his word to us in our life. And so, prayer is an important aspect of reading God's word. I always encourage anyone that it's very important to read the Bible And you say, Pastor, what you're talking about tonight, this is elementary things. I understand. But I think it's important. Sometimes we forget the basics, don't we? And it's important that we read God's Word, yet I find that it's also important before we read the Bible to pray. Say, Lord, would you reveal this to me, what you have for me today? God, would you bring to light in your word what I need? Would, would you open up my eyes spiritually that I may see the truths uh, in, in your word? Not only is God's word revealed to us, but also God's will. As he said there um, in Matthew um, 16, it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so part of the Lord's model prayer was that we would have God's will be done. And so we ought to uh, pray. As Colossians again says that uh, if we lack wisdom, uh, let's, uh, let's pray. And so as we begin to pray, God reveals his will to our life, even though he reveals his word. Um, you say, Pastor, do you have to pray to know God's will for every aspect of your life? No, I don't have to. I don't have to pray and ask God if it's wrong for me to kill somebody. (laughs) I know it's wrong. I know it's God's will for me not to hurt somebody because it's plainly written in his word. But there are other times where things are not maybe so black and white as myself, the Lord leading us to North Etowah Baptist Church. If there would have been a Bible verse I could have turned to where God said, Randy, you are supposed to go to North Etowah, that would have made things real simple. But it's not always that way. Sometimes we have to say, okay, Lord, is this decision in alignment with your word? Okay, well, if it's in alignment with your teaching, now through prayer, God, would you open my eyes? Would you guide my steps? And so there is an aspect of God's will that is found through the reading of God's word. And then, of course, as we already said in Colossians and also in James 1, 5, the Bible says, if any of us like wisdom, let us ask of God who gives to all liberally. Um, And so we find that God's word is also revealed to us through prayer. Uh, God's wisdom. And so when we lack wisdom, we find wisdom through prayer. Do any of y'all need more wisdom? (laughs) I promise you, I need more wisdom in my life. Every day I find circumstances, situation, people that I don't understand, that I don't have the answer to. And sometimes, and I know I'm not the only one, you ever been asked a question or been giving the responsibility of a task that just was beyond your understanding? 
It happens, don't it? We face situations in life that um, sometimes there's no manual for that. Um, I was talking with a pastor, and we're looking at, uh, we've been talking this week about uh, possibly writing a, a book for pastors on um, some things in the pastoral work with churches and, and staff about how to um, deal with them and talking with the pastor. And he's like, yeah, look, we're talking about writing a book together for that just to help young preachers out. Just because there's some things that we scratch your head and think, boy, they didn't cover that in seminary. Uh, so what do we do when we don't have wisdom? The Bible says if we lack wisdom, let us ask of God who gives liberally. I'm glad that uh, sometimes or any time that we go, God's able to, and willing to give us wisdom. And so there is a spiritual revelation. Uh, well, I know we are getting along on time tonight, and I'm just now getting going good. And so I don't want to, uh, we better keep moving. The third one is there is a spiritual revival that can transpire. Spiritual revival. In verse number 7 of Jeremiah 33, he says, And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. So the Bible, actually, this is interesting. The Bible says, I'm going to cause their captivity to return, and then I'm going to build them. It's one of these crazy things that it just shows our human nature but do you know historically, if you look at the church, do you know when the church has always thrived the most? During persecution. Well, let's go back to the very New Testament church. They were being persecuted, killed, martyred. Uh, almost all of the apostles died horrible deaths. And yet, the world was turned upside down for the gospel. Let's go back to the Middle Ages that kind of culminated with the worst during the reign of Bloody Mary. And they were persecuting Christians, and um, there was the goal of many kings and rulers to stamp out Christianity altogether. And yet they found that the more they burned them at the stake, the more the gospel spread. And here in Jeremiah, we find that the same trend continues. He says, listen, I'm going to bring, bring their captivity but through their captivity, I'm going to rebuild them to what I want. There is a spiritual revival, which will start with a return to fellowship with God. Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come uh, from the presence of the Lord. And so there is a spiritual revival that happens when we have fellowship with the Lord. As we begin to pray and we seek God's face, we have a return of fellowship with Him. Do you know what God desires of our life? Fellowship. Isn't that why humanity was created in the first place? Why did God make Adam and Eve? He didn't need them. He's not some adolescent young man who is bored and trying to make a science project or some experimentation. 
He created man so that he could walk with him, Adam, in the cool of the day in the garden and fellowship with him. The first aspect to revival in your heart and my heart is to return to fellowship with him. That's the first step to revival. Revival itself is falling in love with God all over again. I don't know, and I'm going to get sidetracked here. We may not even finish this lesson tonight, but um, maybe you can think back with me. Do you remember when you first got saved? When I first got saved, although I had grew up in a Christian home, had made a profession of faith as a young man, um, I was not living for God. Did not I knew God in my head. I did not know him in my heart. And I want you to know this evening, there is a big difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. I had head knowledge. I did not have heart knowledge. And I had tried to live right. I had tried to be good. I tried to be the good little Christian that I was supposed to be. And it just seemed like I couldn't do it. I tried, but I'd always mess it up somehow. But when I got saved, man, something happened in my heart. Something in my life transpired. And I want to tell you, I could not wait to tell everybody. And I was utterly shocked that everybody wasn't as excited as I was. I thought everybody was going to be thrilled that I had given my heart to Jesus. I was going back. I lived in South Florida at the time. I was working in West Palm Beach and uh, for Mr. Ice Machine. Worked on repaired ice machines. And uh, we walked into my office, and the owner said, Listen, you, you've been gone over the weekend. He said, I'm giving you a promotion. I have a... a substantial uh, pay increase and they said I've got you a brand new truck here here's the keys to it and I knew that the work environment I was in I would never grow as a Christian and I already made my mind up I was moving back to Georgia where I knew there was a good church good friends and I was making the transition I said hey I appreciate it thank you so much but I quit <laughs> and so um, it, he was not near as excited as I was. Um, a lot of family didn't understand my decision. Friends didn't understand. And I was excited, though. I didn't care. But I noticed that over the next couple of years in my Christian walk, I began to care just a little bit more as the weeks and months passed along. All of a sudden, that zeal, that excitement for God, slow, that light, that flame, slowly began to dwindle in my heart. And once where I couldn't get enough of God, there was a time in my life where coming to church, where serving God almost became burdensome, and I only continued out of duty. You know what I needed? I needed a revival in my heart to come back where I fell in love with God all over again. My wife's here. She can tell you that when we were dating, I was madly in love with my wife. I was. Couldn't get enough. We would call at night. We would, half the time, we would fall asleep with the phone uh, off the hook. 
And none of the youth in here, I guess y'all probably know what that means to have the phone off the hook. And so we would talk on the phone, listen to each other. Uh, we, sometimes we, we had talked so much, there was nothing left to say, Brother Dennis. We would just lay there and listen to each other breathe. We, every morning she would get up to go to work and I would have her a handwritten note. I would hurry up in the mornings and get to her house and put it under her wiper blades where every morning she had a handwritten note from me. I was in love and whatever it took, I wanted her to know how much I loved her. True story. And then we got married. <laughs> and I still love her. But the note stopped. <laughs> my love for her didn't go away. But my zeal to express it. Have you ever experienced that? And I think when we began to pray, that first step to revival is coming to a place where we say, God, I want you to revive that fellowship that I once had. For God, I just can't get enough of you. God, I just want to pray and just talk to you. Is it hard for you to pray? Or is it joyous? Sometimes it's both, ain't it? Sometimes the fellowship's sweet and Sunday night, some of our youth asked, and they asked me. They actually asked me that question. One of the youth said, "Pastor said, how come um, sometimes it's hard to pray?" I, I can assure you this: it's never because God is not willing, ready, and right where He's supposed to be. If I can't pray, right here is the problem. It's because my heart's not right. Maybe because I'm consumed with my circumstances. Maybe there's sin in my life. Maybe I'm lacking in faith. But the problem's never been with God. Not once. And so our first step to learning how to pray is the purpose of prayer if our heart's not right, it's saying, God, revive me. Revive my heart that I could fall in love with you all over again. I assure you, when I first got saved, I did not care if anybody said, I don't want to hear about that. I'm not interested in religion. I'm not interested in your God. You know what? I didn't care. He was mine. I was his. I was redeemed. And I was telling the whole world. If we would just fall back in love with God again like that, that would make the difference in our church, to our family, to our community. if we could just love him the way we're supposed to.